0: Fun to sit in the front. I know y'all are scared of it, but I promise it's fun. It's fun to sit in the front. It really, genuinely is. Um, one, I guess, update. We really hadn't updated. I know we've had it on the the uh, church prayer list for a while, but um, my sister Haiti, my sister Katie, that uh, is a missionary in Haiti, in Haiti, her and her husband. I know it rhymes very well, um, Nathan. Um, she's uh, been on the press. Nathan has been in the States um, um, and Sam, one of their somewhat adopted kids, he's the one that's joined us. He came with my mom this morning. And so um, if you want to scoop, uh, you can talk to Sam later on, welcome him to our our little family here. Um, But Nathan is with Katie now and they are currently safe and sound. No. Anyway, so it's, it's good it's, 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 all okay. It's all right. Anyway, you can meet Sam. I was telling you there's a visitor from along. He's from Haiti. And so, um, it's, it's cool for you get to, I don't get a chance to look at my phone once I arrive here. You know that. Um, (laughs) sorry, I don't, you know, it's rude when you're talking with people to have your phone out, right? Who hates that besides me? But sometimes you, exactly. See, so you got to. On that note, last week I brought up two of our missions um, that need to be adopted or readopted, I guess so to speak. Uh, Camp Ileana was one of them, and uh, Damu Christian Mission in in Haiti was the other. And I know, I know, I know. Somebody out here said oh, I was gonna, I was gonna do that, but I figured somebody else probably beat you to it. No, they didn't. So nobody, nobody said anything to me last week. So just take that Connect card that's in your seat back and say, I would love to adopt one of those missions. And if we have tons of people sign up, great. We'll find more missions for you to adopt. Don't worry. Okay. Um, but if you have a passion for one of those two, the they do all kinds of, they've got a school, they've got a clinic, they've got all kinds of things um, that are part of that mission. Um, it's awesome. And then obviously Camp Ileana, where we're going for our family retreat here in a few weeks, incredible ministry that we've been a part of for such a very, very long time um, here at the church. All right, so if you would go ahead and, and turn in your Bibles. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll start today in a little while. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll begin. I wanted to just drop a quick thank you note to everybody that was able to come out and help and bring food and things like that last um, Sunday night. Uh, the administration of Forest Park was very, very thankful um, for your participation in that. It was good to get to meet some of the teachers, many of whom you've already known. Um, you knew some of those people for a long time and didn't maybe realize that you had those connections. And so So what a great way just to minister to that staff um, and thank them for what they're doing and just support them. Uh, So many times churches and organizations do those kinds of things with all kinds of strings attached. No, we, we just want to show them God's love. That's what we want to do is show them God's love and God will do whatever God wants to do with those moments. So thank you for that. We're so thankful to God for that opportunity that we have, and we want to cherish that. We want to make the most of that for as long as we possibly can, because you just never know as this world continues to change when we might lose such an opportunity. So we want to make the most of it while we can. That being said, as the school year progresses and you hear of new and other opportunities, ways that you might be able to get involved with the folks over there, please, please, please pray that God opens the door for you to do something to get involved in some way. We're all equipped in different ways. We're all at different phases of life. We all live in different areas, but there's gonna be a way as time goes on here where there's something you can do, tangible, physical, um, for the people there. And so just be ready for that, all right? Be ready for that. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into your word this morning, I just pray um, for you to be heard. Father, for the challenges that exist for us here on this earth, Father, for us to realize that, uh, Father, you've overcome each and every one of those challenges we must only trust in you. And Father, I pray that you fill us with your spirit and that you move us into a place where our relationship, our hope, our passion for you is evident to all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, last week, some of you sighed at me. Do you remember why? Yeah, because I just completely dropped you off the edge of a cliff and said, oh, see you next week. I love doing things like that. Uh, I, I, you know, some, some, um, every, every week needs a standalone in the church, right? That's true, because you just never know when people might come. I mean, there might be a transient person that comes in here the first time ever hearing the gospel message of Jesus, and they'll never, ever be back again ever in their lives. So it's essential that we always get that point across to our people, And so we do that every single week. But it's okay for those of us that will be here next week to be left on edge, to have not just, I want to go back to church, but I need to go back to church because I got to see where we're going with that. So a little cliffhanger isn't such a bad thing. We didn't have Netflix. We didn't have all these streaming services where we could watch 19 episodes of the same show in a row. We had to wait till next week. And inevitably next week it was canceled because it was interrupted by some event and that was on TV and then you couldn't watch the To Be Continued and it may never even show. Don't you hate? Anyway, um, but that's the reality. I left you with a cliffhanger, a true To Be Continued moment. Two weeks ago, you were able to hear from Brady Hall from Oblong Christian Children's Home. If you haven't gone back and listened to that yet, I'm going to challenge you yet again, do that. Because you need to hear his heart and you need to hear the heart of that ministry that is over there. He did such an incredible job of sharing his heart with all of us, his passion for working with those kids and those families in that very difficult environment. And as you listen to him, the joy that was in him and the work that he's doing just, just oozed out of him all over the place. Last week, you got to hear from the team that went to Estrada, Poland. If you weren't able to be here last week, please again, go back and listen to them. Uh, I I made David leave all of their comments in there. And so you could hear all of their, uh, what everything they said, because quite honestly, it was more important than anything I had to say, because you got to hear their heart and what had happened. We've been supporting that camp for so very long. And we finally got to go over it. Honestly, if you go on their webpage, uh, there's like three pictures. And that's all we have. Or if you saw the old, 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 old brochure that we had here, that's it. Like three pictures. There's no 3D to that, you know? You don't get to go and actually experience it in in all of its dimensions of what it actually looks like. We got to meet the director of the camp. We got to meet refugees. We got to hang out with Ivan. That was Ivan right right there. That was Ivan. Uh, He was very helpful sometimes, wasn't he, Corey? (laughs) Corey? Um, I had a great conversation with Corey at one point in time because he's like, Ivan's trying to learn English. He doesn't know English. He's from Ukraine. Okay. And so he's trying to learn English. And Corey was kind of amazed at how quickly he was able to pick up on some things. And then once he grasped what something meant, he used it over and over and over and over and over again. And he just, we don't understand in our country. I'm going to be honest. We don't understand what it means to learn. We don't have that passion, or that desire to learn like that because we don't need to. Everything's done for us here. We don't have to figure it out in order to survive. You know what I mean? And, and he does. And he realizes that. And so he's just, just a sponge trying to learn stuff. And it was so cool to watch and observe that. And I said, man, if you only had that passion to learn things in your culture, wow, you could really go places. It's kind of crazy how that works. And we want to thank you, the whole team does, and the church, for the prayers, absolutely essential. The trip could not have gone better as a group, very honestly, and for the financial support for that trip. It was such a blessing. The fruit of that trip will be on display for many, many years to come. And I think we've developed a relationship that we're going to be able to do some special things with as time goes on, beyond just supporting the mission like we have. Okay? But here's the thing. When we talk about those things, when you and I hear opportunities, when we hear missionaries, I always loved the Sundays when missionaries came. Now, part of that was because my dad was one, okay? And so I enjoyed those things. I enjoyed it. I heard the same presentation. I had the carousel slides. Anyone remember? Who was in charge of those as a kid? This guy. That's right, okay? Carousel. And some of you are like, what's a slide? All right, never mind, okay? We had that. When we hear these opportunities, when we have an opportunity to help those going on a mission trip, When there's a chance to serve right here at Berea, when we announce that, hey, there's this opportunity, there's this need to be met here at Berea, such as maybe you know serving in the children's department, teaching and loving on our kids, or there's an opportunity to meet here in the community, maybe even at Forest Park. When you're sitting there, when you're watching at home, how do you feel? What goes through you when you hear that missionary, when you hear those opportunities? What is your response, your immediate response when you begin hearing those things in your life? Now, I'm going to narrow it down to three possible choices. There might be others. There probably are. I'm simplifying things, yes, because of time. But here's three possible options that I'm sure fit most of our behaviors. The first one is this. You are excited you hear that, and it just kind of gives you that warm, fuzzy, excited feeling, and it's just so cool to hear what they're doing in that part of the world, and how neat it is that the gospel is spreading, and lives are being changed and saved wherever that is the, across the globe, or across the state lines, or across the town. You get that feeling. As a matter of fact, you even begin like, man, I wish, like, I wish there was something I could do. How could I help? How could I get involved? I could sign up and be a part of that. You're really excited, and you want that ministry to succeed, even maybe it's not your gift or your calling, but you're like, man, I really want that to succeed. How can I participate in that? How can I get involved in that? And a lot of you are looking at me like, you're crazy man. Yes, because there's only a few of us that hear those messages like that. There's only a very select few that hear it in that way and want to respond because the love of Christ is fully within them and they can't help but let it out, and here's a chance to let it out, and they're all about it. How about the second one? How about the second? Wow, that looks like a great opportunity. What a neat ministry. Gee, I wish I could support that, but you know, I've got a long list of excuses of why I can't do anything at all in life except for the things I want to do in life, so I probably can't help out or serve in any possible way in life, but that's really neat that you're doing that. Good job. That's probably a lot of people sitting in the room today. Well, that's a great ministry, but I'd really like it. Boy, I wish i If only I had time, if only I only had money, if only I only had this, that or the other, I'd just, boy, that'd be great. I'd, I'd like for it to succeed. I'll pray for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will you? <laughs> That's the cop-out answer for Christians. Oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. sure you will. Some of you do. Most of us forget. But let's be honest. There's a third option that a lot of us probably fit into. Um, you're really not that interested. Actually, um, you might've skipped church that Sunday because you heard a missionary was coming and you didn't want to Hear that, you found something better to do than listen to the heart of one of the missions that we support. Or maybe you avoid me because you know I'm going to ask you to sign up for this or to help with that. Oh, sure, you know there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, but uh, you purposely go out the other door so you don't even have to walk by it to feel guilty about not putting your name on the list to sign up to help out. There's just no impact on you at all as a result of what God is doing, and really no interest in checking out the opportunities that God has placed in front of you. Which of those responses or what in-between area do you fall into? Why don't we respond? Which response should we have as believers? Last week, I left you with this. In 2022, why should we, the church... (laughs) Why should we, the church, why should you, the church, why should we believers, use our time, our gifts, our resources to serve those in need around us? Why should we be willing to do whatever it is that God is calling us to do to seek and save the lost? Why should we be sharing our story over and over and over of how Jesus saved us? Every one of us that have accepted him from an absolutely certain death and eternal punishment apart from him. Why should we be sharing the hope that we have with anyone that will listen? One of my favorite Bible verses, it has been for a very long time, and I believe one of the most challenging in all of scripture, comes from First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I know I told you to turn to 2 Corinthians, that's where we'll spend most of our day But 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15, beginning, you got to remember who Peter is. He's an apostle of Jesus. He's one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his tightest followers. He vowed to do anything, even offer his very own life for Jesus. And then he denied him three times and said he never knew him whatsoever at all. And then Jesus gently reinstates him, restores him back to that place, loves him back into that relationship. And Peter goes on to become Peter as we know him. And he writes words like these. But in your hearts, revere, set apart Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The first question we must ask with that passage is simply this. Have you? Have you set apart Christ as Lord of your heart? Have you made that conscious decision, confessed his name, repented of your sins, been baptized in the waters, had your sins forgiven, raised to walk that new life in him? That is step one. If you have not done that, the rest of that verse does not matter, nor does anything else I say today. That is the key thing that you need to hear today, and you need to be the one to make that decision immediately. Today is the day of salvation for you. Please don't ever miss that in the rest of what we'll share today. But if you have made that decision at some point in your life, then are you prepared to give an answer, an answer for the hope that you have in you? Now, this is a hard question that I'm about to ask. Has anyone ever asked you about the hope that you claim to have on display in your life has anyone ever asked you why you serve why you give about the love that you seem to have for those around you if not if no one's ever asked you then i'm gonna have to be brutally honest what's missing why hasn't anyone noticed that you're different why don't they see jesus moving through you and through me Why don't they see Jesus on display front and center in my life? In this world that we live in, if we are full of the hope of Jesus Christ, we will look different, we will act different, we will talk different, and people will be forced to ask us what's different. And if we don't look different or act different or talk different, no one will ever, ever, ever ask you. Now, there could be many reasons why. No one's noticed. I don't pretend to know all of those answers, but I can tell you my experience in my life. The answer that should be the driving force behind our desire to obey the commands of Jesus and pursue his will for our lives and for this church is one word. It's one very short word. It's the word passion. Passion, our passion For Jesus, the passion that he has for each and every one of us, as well as for every other lost and dying soul across this world. You see, in our culture, the word passion is quite often defined as this confusing mixture combination between love and lust. That's not what we're talking about here. Genuine passion is so much deeper than that. I don't know, do you know what the word passion actually means? It's a noun. Which makes it a person, place, or thing. But it's a very unique noun in that it can't stand by itself. It always has to be pointed toward something else. Whenever you use this word, there's got to be something it's directed toward. Passion can't stand alone in a sentence. You can't just say, I have passion. For what? Right, it's gotta be followed by something. My passion is fill in the blank. I am passionate about fill in the blank. I have passion for fill in the blank. Passion is an intense, it's a driving, it's an overmastering, overwhelming feeling or conviction, a strong liking or desire or devotion to some activity or object or concept. And see, passion is absolutely a God given thing. These strong feelings or these emotions. Uh, passion actually is part of God's character. Our God is a very passionate God. It's one of the ways that, that we are actually made in his image. We're to put this passion on display for other people to see. Now, some of you might be familiar with the capitalized version of the word passion. That, of course, specifically refers to the sufferings of our Jesus leading up to his death and his ultimately his execution on the cross for you. And for me, we call that the passion of the Christ, the ultimate display of God's desire to redeem us, his creation. So when you look at today's world, where do you see passion? If I I told you, find me a video clip of some passionate something, where all would you look If you've been to a concert, you've seen passion. If you've been to a sporting event, you've seen passion. If you've been to maybe one of your child's band contests or choir concert, you've seen some crazy parents. Passion. If you follow politics or activism of any kind, then you've seen passion. As a matter of fact, that's actually become beyond just passion. That's become a religion for a lot of people. It's now the outlet for the passion that is within all of us. It's a misplaced outlet. For that passion, but it is very, very real. I, I have a question. This is a throwback for some of us. Does anybody remember this guy? Is he there? I know, I know David got a picture for me. Do you remember that guy, Steve Irwin? Yeah, the crocodile hunter. It's hard to believe. He's actually been gone since 2006 now a long time ago for those of us that kind of grew up with him. I remember watching him. I was older. I was a teenager and above when he became popular. But we would intentionally, when we were first married, sit down and watch him because he was crazy. This man was nuts. He had so much passion just oozing out of him. I don't even know what a wombat is. But after seeing this picture, I want one. Am I wrong? Like, doesn't that just look like the cuddliest thing you've ever, I mean, don't look at the big claws, but everything else, (laughs) it just looks like the most cuddly. When you hang out with someone like that, they have an impact on you because their passion just overflows. They're not even trying. They're just being who they are. So when you look at a guy like that, if you remember who he was, my question, I don't know what you think, but my question always is, what if? What if that man was as excited about Jesus as he was about crocodiles and snakes? Could you imagine? Could you imagine what that would look like? What if someone allowed God to be revealed through their life, their love for him to be revealed through their life and their love for even wildlife? God created them too, you know? Nothing inappropriate about that combination for sure. So let's make it personal. What about me and you, the believer, the devoted follower of Jesus? What is it that you are passionate about? What causes you an intense, driving, overriding feeling or conviction within you? What gets you fired up in life? What do you have a strong liking for, devotion to in this world? Seriously, I asked you a question. Are you thinking about anything? Is there anything that comes to your mind whenever I ask you that question? Because it's quite possible, the answer is no, that you really don't have anything that you're passionate about. It is possible to live a passionate-less life, to just exist in this world. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people have begun living that way. It's possible to be so defeated by the things of this world that there's no passion left within you. I believe that's absolutely one of Satan's goals for us. See, if he can steal the passion from your life it makes this life hardly worth even living. And if he can convince you, a follower of Jesus, to lose their passion for Jesus and for the life that he has given you, then Satan's won, at least in the moment, and no one's ever gonna ask you about the hope that you claim to have. I can't tell you how many Christians I've observed over the years who are bitter and angry, joyless, loveless. They have no patience, no gentleness. They're selfish, unkind, no self-control at all. Now, to the believer, that list should sound pretty stinking familiar from Galatians chapter 5. How could a Christian live and exist and not be producing or revealing or exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in their life? I can tell you. I can tell you. Because there is no passion for Jesus in their life. Here's the passage that we'll base all of this on. Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth. This is a second letter to the church in Corinth. And in chapter four, he begins by encouraging this church, telling them that, hey, God has chosen you. And, and everybody's like, why would God choose me? I'm this messed up, broken. Yep. Paul's like, yeah, I know. He has chosen you this jar of clay that he has formed, that he is. yes, it's flawed. Yes, it could crack. It's very fragile. But he's chosen you this jar of clay to store up these incredible gifts the incredible gift of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, the power of God dwelling within each of us. And he goes on to tell them, because you are this jar of clay, because you have given this incredible, incredible gift, because of these things, verse 8, you can be hard-pressed. You can and will be hard-pressed, but you won't get crushed. And because of this power within you, you can be perplexed. It's okay, because you won't be in despair. You will be persecuted. That's okay. You know you will not be abandoned by your God, and you could get struck down. That could happen. But you will not be destroyed, Paul tells us. Why? Because of what we have inside of us, nothing we do of our own accord. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in in us, but life is at work in you. Life is at work in you. I don't know what phase of life you're in, all of you. Life is at work within you. If you have the life of Christ within you, it is always at work within you. And if it is, if it is, then you will be full of the passion for Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to spend all of our time now. Verse 11 is where we'll begin. Paul continues these thoughts, same train of thought. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try hard to persuade others. They're working at it. Are we working at it, church? What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Some people will say, hey, you are out of your mind. Uh Uh-huh. And if they say that, you say, hey, I'm passionate about my Jesus. It's God at work within me. And then some will say hey, you're in your right mind, then Paul's just confessing, yeah, we have to put our thoughts together coherently, sometimes do for you. So here it is, verse 14, the the big verse that we're focusing on. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who who lived should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. Listen to Paul's words again, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. Do we understand, church, what that truly means? What are you compelled to do in this life? Now, in our culture, that word compulsion, being under compulsion to do something, can be a bad thing. This is not a forced thing that Jesus forces upon us. It's not a forced behavior. It is the love of Christ for us that then compels us to respond, forces us, if you will. We don't have a choice. We have to respond. If we truly know and understand what Jesus did for you and what he did for me, we have to respond. We can't keep that to ourselves. It compels us to love him back. It compels us to want to know more about him. It compels us to want to serve, to want to give, and to want to love. Listen, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's so hard to do. We want to look around and judge everyone else just like everyone else judges everyone else. Christ's love compels us to look at people like he does. Are you willing Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Believer, we cannot look at anyone from that worldly point of view. We've got to strive and strive harder to see them as Jesus does as his creation whom he gave his life for. We must see them with the same passion that Jesus does, a passion that led him to the cross. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creation. behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has given us, imparted to us his righteousness. It's the only way we can be made right or perfect. We can't do it on our own. There's no hope of that. Once you commit to Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. He became sin so that you and I could be fully forgiven, so that our sin is not counted against us. This is his love for us. This is the love that compels us. This is the love that should be fueling our passion for Jesus today. But here's the thing. We can claim to have all the passion that we want, but if that passion doesn't at some point turn into action, we see, it's simply not possible to be a devoted follower of Jesus and not be filled with this passion. Now, I'm not saying that the world won't try to turn a fire hose on those flames of passion that should be residing within you. They certainly will. But it's up to you and I to rely on the Holy Spirit of God to fan those flames even when the water's try to put them out. For some of us, we claim to be followers of Christ, even devoted followers of Christ, even passionate about Jesus. But then we live our lives from Sunday at uh, 1130 till Sunday at 10 a.m. as if he doesn't exist. We live out our passion by being here once a week, maybe two or three times a month for maybe a total of two or three hours. That's our passion. That's what Christ's love compels us to do. That's it. I don't really think we get it if that's all that we're willing to give. We must use our passion for Jesus, what he's done for us, what he is doing for us, what he will do for us to be his ambassadors. We get to rep Jesus on this planet. We get to tell people about him. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a gift to get to do that. It's not a burden. Church, he is preparing for you and for me a place in his eternal heaven. Are you passionate about that? It sure doesn't look like it. It looks like you don't even care. Oh, heaven, yeah, whatever. You're not excited? Nobody's excited about that? (laughs) Does that reality or should that reality increase your devotion to Jesus? Yes. Yes, it should, church. God has provided each and every one of us with an incredible opportunity to show his passion through our action. And you might say, what opportunity has God ever given me? You're breathing this morning. That's the opportunity that Jesus gave you today. Make the most of it, would you, church? Action that we can take in our homes to be a godly man. A godly woman, a godly husband, a godly wife, a godly father, a godly mother, a godly son, a godly daughter, a godly employee, you name it. Action that we can take here right at church to serve through simple things like greeting, leading others around, teaching, playing, singing, loving on the people that God has placed around us. A passion to meet new people as they come in their doors, the first time they've ever joined us. A passion to meet with people that have been here for decades upon decades to just see how their life is going. A passion to give of the resources that God has blessed you with. A passion to use your gifts for his glory. (laughs) We should all be serving. We should all be loving with this passion For Jesus. And when we do that, people will ask us, why? What is this hope that you have? Why are you so much different? Why are you so weird? That's okay. We're different. Because his love compels us to be. The reality is this. Our lives, the way you and I live, it, it reveals our passion. Your calendar reveals your passion. If you're going to 45 sporting events, that's your passion, folks sorry. If you're going to this, if that's where your time is spent, that's what you're doing. Our calendars reveal that. Our bank accounts do a great job of revealing our passion. I didn't make that up. Those are Jesus' words. He's the one that kind of said where your treasure is. Yeah, there's your heart. There's your passion. That's where it lies, folks. Matthew 6, 21. Where your passion is, is where your time will be spent. Where your passion is, is where your energy will be focused. And I've just got to ask... Is that focus on Jesus? Is it in Jesus? Are you compelled by his great love for you to turn your passion to him today? Because here's what's so cool. When a passion for God, fueled by the spirit of God within each one of us, begins to overwhelm us and overwhelms this place, there will not be a need that God brings us that he will not meet. Even cooler. There will not be a vision that God gives us that's too big for Him to meet. You see, because God will provide all that we need through each of you. He will send us those that He is leading to Himself. He will trust us to embrace those that He is leading, that He is drawing to Himself. He will trust us. With them. If our passion is for him and our hearts are set on him, his name will be glorified and honored in this place. And he will use this place as a magnet, a magnet that he uses to draw in the lost and the hurting, and the deceived, and the confused, and the doubters, and the atheists, and the Muslims, and the Mormons, and the Buddhists, and the agnostics, and the skeptics, and the secularists, and the list goes on and on. Why? Because this will be a place of absolute truth, of absolute love, of absolute grace, and of absolute mercy, and those things blend beautifully together through the love of God. This will be a city on a hill in this community that will be impossible to hide, and it will reach out across this world. Church, is this who we long to be? Is this where your passion lies? Are you compelled to be a part of a family of God that is driven to pursue God in this way? Or are you content just being the same old Berea that you've always been? hard question. There are real challenges awaiting us. I think that's clear. There are challenges right in front of us here at Berea. There are challenges in each and every one of our personal lives. Here's the thing. Every one of these challenges have already been overcome through the power of the blood of Jesus. There is no fear. In light of this, does His love compel you To do what? What is the object of the passion within your life? Is it him? Or has Satan helped funnel that passion into the things of this world? Today is a challenge for every one of us, myself included. That's why it was so hard to put on paper. Will we unite and pursue Jesus, compelled by his love for each and every one of us, passionate about the pursuit, letting nothing get in our way? Or will we live passionateless lives, lives directed by the one who's already been defeated, the one whose desire is for you not to experience this life to the fullest? Because here's where believers get really messed up sometimes. Um, when you accepted Jesus Christ, and if you haven't done that yet today, I already mentioned it, man, that is the first thing you must do. Salvation is today for you. Don't wait another minute for any reason. But if you've accepted Jesus then did you really understand that the moment you did that, your eternity began? That moment, that day, your eternity started. Well, we're looking forward to heaven. Why? It started then. Your time with God started then, and it will last for all eternity. Make the most of the moments here on this beautiful earth, this incredible creation, with the people that you love and the ways God has given you, the gifts God has given you here to exist in this place, to serve and to love Him, to be passionate about Him. And heaven will be icing on the cake. Unless you don't like the icing, then it'll be something else. Whipped cream, <laughs> chocolate, whatever. I know you say things, and some people don't like icing, so you got to figure out something. You understand. Church, where's your passion? I, I can tell you, as not just a pastor, as a youth leader, as just a person, when you talk with someone that comes up to share with you, Hey! I've got this idea. Hey, here's what God used me to do this week. Hey, here's a conversation I had. When you have those conversations with people, you see the passion in their life. And as we talked about in our group on Wednesday night, I don't get to have enough of those conversations. I need, we need to have that passion together. And again, this place will be unlike anything you've ever experience this side of heaven, Father God, as we come before you now. Father, I ask for you to fan the flames of passion within our people here at Berea, whether they're physically here in person or they're watching it at home live right now, or they watch it later on this week. Father, we want to include everybody. Father, there's people you are drawing to this place now. We want them to see our passion for you when they come in. We want them to sense that there's something different about this place versus other places they've ever been. Maybe this is the first time they've ever been in the building, they've ever been to a church, they've ever heard your name proclaimed, and they're going to look at us and they're going to think, wow, there's something different about those people. And they're going to ask us and you're going to have us call into account. You're going to call us into account to give a reason for the hope that we have in our lives. And we're going to do that with such gentleness and such love and such respect for those people because we know and we see them through your eyes. They are a creation. Currently, they're lost. They're separated. They're apart from you. but Father, we look into those eyes and we love them just like you look at each and every one of us. And we share that love. And Father, as you present opportunities to us, whether it be through missionaries or be serving here or serving in this community, when we serve those opportunities up before your people, we pray that your passion within them inspires them to move, to act, to be a part, to be involved with those things. We can easily, you know, we're all busy. We're all busy. And our schedule reveals our passions and lives. And Father, we don't have enough on our calendar to do for you because our day should be full of ways to serve you, of ways to love others on your behalf, even in the midst of the things we must do with our families and friends. Father, even those moments are filled with opportunities to love those around us and to show them our passion for you. Father, revive that passion amongst us. Give us those dreams and those visions to pursue you in ways that just can't even be imagined for a church like this out on the corner. Father, that our passion for you and your spirit within us fuel us to achieve those goals, to bring those visions into a reality so that your name can be known. And Father, as you continue to draw people, the lost, the hurting, the confused, the deceived, into our midst, may we present the truth of your gospel message, the truth of your love and your grace and your mercy, the truth that we must repent of our sin and bring those before you and confess those to you that you alone can wash those away. Father, we may never cease to preach that truth in this place and allow your spirit to move people to a position to accept those truths as their own and desire you as their father and Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Father, we love.